Thank you for tuning in to the Unbougie Foodie every Saturday at 10 a.m. where we talk about food and interesting topics about the community. Let's start our show. Right again here every Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on WEQY. Again, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to tune in. Those that don't have the opportunity of tuning in uh, on their phone, you could definitely uh, tune in through the TuneIn app or stream the show live, I should say, through the TuneIn app. Uh, but also, please make sure you're following me on Facebook as well as on Instagram. You could find me on Facebook at the Unbougie Foodie. On Instagram, it would be the underscore Unbougie Foodie, and of course, Twitter is also available um, that you could follow me on as well. You might hear a rant or two. Honestly, I don't really rant. <laughs> I, I just kind of share maybe a point about food or so forth on my Twitter in addition to making posts of when the next recorded show is going to be or is available. So you could find Twitter uh, just simply at Unbougie Foodie. Uh, gosh, you know, I'm looking outside uh, and seeing that it's raining. <laughs> um, nice little storm that passed through earlier today made it difficult for me to get up. <laughs> I'm just saying. It was a little difficult. That's okay, though. So, I hope uh, I had an opportunity to just check out, um, you know, past article. Well, I should say past shows because you know what this show is about. It is about food. Uh, we're always talking about uh, interesting topics um, in relation to food. And um, I'm always going to mention something about um, maybe a farmer's market, a recipe, an article I found interesting. Uh, and I want to share that. I mean, it, you know, there are one or two um, articles that I saw, if you would. And again, I wanted to uh, make sure that uh, you know, I brought that to your attention. Um, but even before that, I want to also say that you know, this is a show where it's interactive. So I hope you also are interested in maybe sharing um, maybe a food um, suggestion or maybe something special that you've done with a particular recipe, if you would. Uh, why not share that with us? Um, give us a call. Well, give me a call. I always say that. 651-200-3479. Again, 651-200-3479, where you can talk to me uh, and share your food suggestions, comments. Uh, maybe you need a recommendation. 
<laughs> and that's all available through this show. So uh, again, that call in number is 651-200-3479. But um, article, I was looking in, I just happened to be in, I forget what part of town I think I was in. Oh, more Minneapolis or so forth, but it just this just gives you an idea of how you know articles or or publications can go throughout the cities, if you would. Um, and this is it's the carrot, so it's based on the East Side Food um, Co-op uh, publication, and you know we we are coming out of the fall. I mean, out of the summer season, but I still found it very interesting of a seafood um, article that they mentioned, uh, and they talked about how you know they offer a selection of fresh fish, uh, crustaceans, mollusks, and so on. Um, I have to ask the question, just maybe for my audience listeners, what is your favorite type of I'd say seafood or cuisine when it comes, yeah, to seafood. I mean, is there something specific that you feel is your go-to uh, that you are going to always have, or if it's on the menu somewhere, you're always going to pick it, uh, or are you willing to try uh, different types of variations of seafood? There are so many different types of fish that I love. Salmon being kind of like at the top of the list. But then there's um, Chilean, Chilean sea bass, trout, uh, whitefish, yellowtail. Going into kind of like the sushi type of genre, if you would. Um, but just fish in general. I, I'm... And, you know, it's interesting that, you know, it's just, it's not something that's constantly uh, evolving or changing. Um, It's very consistent. And I I think what it is, is that people are finding new and exciting ways to do fish, uh, whether it be adding herbs, uh, maybe herb butter, or they find a specific spice that they are interested in. Um, I'm looking at a, a photo right now of of a pesto. It's more of a pesto sauce that they're actually using on this fish that was roasted, uh, along with, and interestingly enough, Brussels sprouts, Brussels sprouts and tomatoes. Um, and so it, you know, it's a great looking dish. And of course, I don't have the recipe for it. Sorry, but actually, I do. <laughs> uh, I do have the recipe for it. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. But uh, again, this was more of our a, not really older article, just a, a month or so ago. Um, but specifically at uh, Eastside Co-op, they are offering all these different types of fish uh, available, um, and you could even find them at you know grocery stores uh, throughout 
the neighborhood or the communities. I mean, there are, gosh, uh, a number of different uh, places that you might be able to go. But um, salmon, uh, fillet of salmon is what they offer. Again, crustaceans, um, mollusks. And I like how they they indicated fillets, just plural, because it couldn't be a wide variety of uh, fillets that are available. Just because we're going into fall does not necessarily mean that you have to change your cuisine um, from seafood. Yes, um, it is oftentimes a summer type of cuisine, seafood, specifically fish, because it's lighter. Um, And there's, well, I suppose that there's not much heat that you're actually going to be using inside the kitchen itself. Um, Although, you know, there are folks that say that really summertime is more for barbecuing, you know, being out on the grill. Well, likewise, you could take the fish on the grill as well. Um, But there's nothing wrong with actually still having that part of your cuisine, even though we're going into fall. There are so many other different dishes and, well, hello, what about pho? You could have pho and, I mean, there are a number of types and styles of pho that include some type of seafood or crustacean, if you would. So it's not, and plus, you know, it's warm. (laughs) It's comfort food. At least I'm learning more that it is comfort food, especially around this time. Um, people are buying, you know, uh, wanting to get pho uh, more than ever. Um, it's it's light or it's lighter, not so many calories and carbs and so forth that are associated with it. Um, it's a broth. Um, again, that's why I'm saying that it's light. Um, but the different types of uh, either meats or um, seafood that can actually be used in it so you don't have to actually totally put away uh, your thought process of you know consuming fish as we go into the fall season but uh, the article goes on to say that uh, most uh, popular items uh, during this time period or when they're having seafood is the Atlantic salmon uh, it has a mild flavor, substantial texture, and it holds up well on the grill, uh, especially if you like uh, a nice staked uh, salmon or steak cut salmon, I should say. Um, definitely putting that on the grill. Um, it's great with uh, marinades um, and even sometimes because it's so light and it doesn't have such a fishy smell as some folks would want to say, my mother. <laughs> love you um, kids will eat it too they, they'll love it you know, again uh, it is uh, a very healthy fish um, lots of high levels of omega 3's uh, and it has a delicious taste of course so uh, we'll go into that uh, recipe though uh, specifically, and I found the name of it, 
Um, it was, and it's trout, like I mentioned, poached rainbow trout with parsley and uh, walnut pesto. Uh, and I assume that it's probably one of the cooks there or one of the chefs. Individuals that are coming up with these wonderful recipes and so forth. Um, they're awesome. So first, let's start with some of the ingredients. Uh, the first, you, know, you want a whole rainbow trout um, cleaned and butterflied. Now, mind you, I'm sorry, I'm gearing a little bit away from the recipe. But it's just to say that here's just an example. Rainbow trout is great if you want to use possibly a salmon or maybe a white fish um, it's you can do that as well um, they're just using the rainbow trout as one type of fish that you are able to prepare this with so again if you'd like to follow the recipe it is for the poached rainbow trout uh, with parsley uh, and walnut pesto so again one whole rainbow trout clean and butterflied might have to get your butcher to probably do that or one of the representatives there at uh, your local grocery store. Three lemon slices, fresh thyme, fresh tarragon, um, and there's parsley, uh, rosemary, or dill that you could possibly use. So um, a mixture, though, of tarragon and rosemary sounds wonderful. So play around with those different spices or those those herbs i should say uh, a mixture of you never know maybe even a mixture of three out of the four or two out of the four together can work wonders the next thing you're going to do though is you're going to preheat your oven to 400 degrees and then you want to place your lemon slices and the fresh herbs in the belly of the, the trout uh, you're then going to wrap that in foil um, in, a, in a loose pouch, but still tight enough so that the moisture stays inside. Uh, and then you're going to put it on a baking rack and bake for about 10 minutes. Um, you, know, you want that when you are checking the fish, you want the flesh to be uh, opaque or almost uh, translucent. Uh, translucent meaning, you know, light, see, um, almost... Uh, I say more of a lightly cooked, lightly cooked uh, color. And then, of course, you're able to tease it apart, you know, when you poke it with a fork. So that also would probably be a more a better way to actually describe how you want, you know, when your the fish is actually done. So yeah, now we're going to go to the actual pesto uh, and they describe it as again being a, a parsley walnut pesto. So you're going to you're going to use one half cup of fresh parsley, one quarter cup of chopped walnuts, uh, one tablespoon of lemon juice. Uh, you will have some butter and that will need to be melted. And then salt and pepper to taste. Now, you're going to add all those ingredients to the food processor or a blender if you have them. And blend them until they're mixed well, but still kind of coarse. Because you want that, there's that texture that you want, I mean, with a pesto. 
Um, you doesn't necessarily have to be chunks uh, or large portions, but of course. Uh, and then you know, you're going to put that in a container. It's always best to have a, maybe a container, a jar or something that you can actually place your pesto in. Um, and then you're going to serve that on the rainbow trout. It's just going to be a fresh garnish that you're going to be placing on it. Uh, and again, that example that they've shown of uh, the presentation, uh, it actually looks quite amazing um, you know, with the Brussels sprouts and the tomatoes. And I believe those might be carrots. I'm not sure. Uh, interesting angle. But uh, I will make sure that this recipe is available for you uh, online. Um, please check back later today on the Unbuji Foodie. And that recipe will, uh, that uh, poached rainbow trout with parsley walnut pesto will actually be available for uh, you, uh, you know, to uh, check out or to see. There is, you know, I didn't get a chance to share with you all, um, and you probably are aware, uh, um, I probably mentioned it, but those that know maybe the food truck that uh, this gentleman, this next individual or topic that I'm going to be touching on, uh, the gentleman or creator of it, um, you know, Sean Sherman, the sous chef he has produced a wonderful publication uh, or cookbook if you would uh, and it's called the sous chef's indigenous kitchen um, and it's by Sh um, Sean Sherman Sean Sherman and Beth Dooley I've got I received this I purchased it I should say um, this for October or July, and then got it in October. So I was really glad to get it. Um, today, they are actually going to be holding a, more like a book signing uh, at 12.30 at uh, Mill City Museum. So if you're interested, uh, again, it's going to be a book signing from 12.30, oh, at 12.30 and 2 p.m. So uh, there's a small uh, event, if you would, that's going on uh, there uh, in conjunction with his book publication um, but as I was going through it you know in the past I know I've always talked about how I want to tell uh, a story or provide some type of uh, backstory if you would to different foods um, or at least find out about them or research them myself um, but this is you know, and other cookbooks, of, of course, that I've obtained also tell you know, uh, some type of story that's associated with it. Telling about the culture, telling uh, telling you, telling individuals, the readers um, about the person's background, uh, how even they got involved with cooking and the different types of foods that they remember their parents um, cooked. And this is no different. I mean, this uh, publication, I haven't gone through the whole entire thing, um, but, you know, I'm just thinking of all the different uh, recipes that are here available uh, in this cookbook. Um, but it, it's almost like 
each section tells a specific story on why how something was obtained um and the book itself i mean again indigenous um kitchen um you know, his intro or introduction and forward to the book, um, he mentions that the book is dedicated to their ancestors and all indigenous people um, who've suffered through centuries of colonialism. Uh, First, Na- uh, First Nation descendants, they are living proof of courage and resilience. Uh, they offer their work uh, through this publication to the next generation so that they could carry on a flame of knowledge uh, and keeping alive their traditions, their foods, their medicines, and so on. Um, and I just thought it was, again, uh, information that tells a story uh, on why, how these foods were prepared. One day I hope to get like that. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to write a publication. Uh, I think it probably would be a memoir. Uh, I'm not sure if there are maybe food bloggers or influencers um, that they're not actual chefs, but they have created uh, a publication that basically, you know, if they are really great um, foodies or food bloggers or influencers and that to their own right, that they have done a backstory on a particular culture um, to find out what's the meaning behind maybe a a specific dish or the the reason why a chicken is cooked a certain way or uh, the types of vegetables that are used within a certain meal. Um, I don't know if there is anyone out there that has created a cookbook just by or not a cookbook but more of a memoir of their travels or their going to taste or tasting different cuisines I should say tasting different cuisines um, and then telling their own story of their experience not of the story of their cuisine their research of course would be telling you know in their writing would be able to help them describe the the food how uh, it was actually prepared um, but their own memoirs themselves would actually invite you as listeners or as a reader to taste that particular um, cuisine so I'm, I'm gonna do some research on that if there's anybody out there that knows possibly what or if there is someone uh, or maybe a, a cookbook that, or a memoir that you could recommend that has that type of element, I would really love to read it. Um, so you can either give me a call here or uh, and you know call in the radio station 651-200-3479. Again, 651-200-3479. Or you can send me a message on Facebook the Ambuji Foodie, uh, or maybe you have links and so forth you want to add, uh, send me an me- uh, email message, the Foodie at gmail.com. Uh, and yeah, we'll definitely make sure to share that information. But the Indigenous uh, Kitchen cookbook, if you would, um, it talks about 
his growing up, the vegetables uh, that were picked um, or harvested, I say that harvested, that was harvested when he was younger, um, the different type of plants that they would forage for uh, just almost on a daily basis um, he's Sean Sherman has actually had uh, you know a food truck uh, and a restaurant is actually going to be coming soon but the food truck was called or is called uh, Tatanka Tatanka uh, food truck um, they at times offer pop-up dinners um, that weave that uh, multicultural or multi-course um, dinners with it in indigenous um, culture and music, spoken word, poetry, um, and storytelling. Um, I, I honestly feel that I have a lot to learn when it comes to the this particular culture and cuisine. Uh, you know, it's as going through the book um, mentioned there are certain plants if you would that we disregard or that are not that are just quickly removed from a garden or maybe from um, your standard lawn or something all of these different types of plants and we won't say weeds because he's saying he no longer sees weeds, but food and medicine. Um, again, when you are an in person that is from uh, an indigenous um, culture, uh, they see the importance of usage of different, uh, pretty much everything. Uh, and that yeah, that's really fascinating to me. Um, I definitely do not... Um, want to give their perception that I know anything about Native American cooking or indigenous uh, cuisines at all. So I'm really interested in just learning uh, more and more. And I think this is going to be a publication that I'll be able to hopefully learn from. Uh, there are a number of the recipes and photos that go along with them are just quite amazing. Um, really nicely done and just so you know i'm not i'm talking about this because it's an exciting publication um going just through flipping through uh, pages itself when i first got it and the recipes are using ingredients some ingredients that or spices or you know plants and so forth that you really do have to uh, do your research on and find out ahead of time um, but they're very simple. Um, here's an example of one. A salad of grilled squash, apples, wild greens, and toasted walnuts. Um, a small acorn or delicata uh, squash. Um, you're going to have that seeded, peeled, and then sliced into pieces that are about one inch long and a quarter inch in thickness. Uh, one medium or two medium or two small apples. We're going to core those and then cut them into rounds. Two tablespoons of sunflower oil. Uh, you're going to salt to taste. 
So that's important because we know that um, certain individuals, you know, they're for health benefits, they have to modif uh, monitor um, their sodium intake. So keep in mind salt to taste. Uh, one teaspoon of chopped sage leaves, six to eight cups of mixed wild greens, quarter cup of maple dressing, and in the book it has a description of you know, how you're able to make maple dressing. And it is really simple, actually. Uh, next is a quarter cup of dried cranberries, one quarter uh, cup of tossed, uh, excuse me, toasted um, chopped walnuts. So you're going to brush the squash and the apple pieces with a little of the sunflower oil. Uh, you're going to heat a skillet uh, and then, or if you have a griddle, that's fine. Um, over high medium to high heat and then you're going to pan, pan roast the squash until they're nicely toasted um, on both sides and tender um, that should normally take about five to ten minutes per side and then you're going to remove those and set them aside uh, the apples you're also going to toast uh, again on each side lightly brown them well one to two minutes per side is what's suggested um, and once again, you're going to remove those and set those aside. Now we're coming to the actual greens, the actual salad portion of the salad. And it sounds long. The actual vegetate more vegetation for the salad. Um, you're going to toss the greens, the sage, and the cranberries uh, with the dressing. Uh, that is that maple uh, dressing. Uh, and then you're going to arrange that on in a bowl or a platter. Presentation, again, is everything. When you're a person that uh, visual visuals are so important uh, because it invites people to actually, oh, that looks good. I'd like to have some of that. Um, yeah, and then they taste it, and then they're like totally freaked out and everything because <laughs> then they want more. Uh, that uh, maple dressing, though, uh, really quick, um, it's more of a sweet and sour type of dressing. And you know, I haven't heard this word um, anywhere else other than in Belize culture, but uh, sour sap. Uh, it's fermented apple sap, uh, maple sap, uh, and it's traditionally used uh, to season roasting meats. Uh, but for this maple dressing, for that salad, you're going to make one quarter or use one quarter cup of maple uh, vin uh, vinegar. Uh, one third cup of sunflower oil, two tablespoons of maple syrup, um, or you could add more if you'd like to taste, and then uh, just a generous pinch of powdered uh, mustard, or maybe a teaspoon of Dijon mustard, uh, and then salt to taste. Uh, all of those ingredients are going to go into a small jar, and you just simply shake it. There's no blender that's needed, uh, or anything. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, I love how it's kind of the, the, this dressing, it's there, it's apparently uh, based on that traditional sour sap uh, or again, fermented um, maple um, sap. Um, you know, Belizeans say that quite often sometimes. Uh, 
um, there was, remember I said that there were kind of stories in certain sections. Uh, here I'm looking at one that uh, is specific to bison. And if you've never had bison, I, I think uh, I know I have not had any type of bison steak or maybe a roast or anything of that nature. I think I probably have had a blend of uh, bison, beef and bison or bison and venison. No, excuse me, beef and bison, excuse me, um, uh, in a burger or just having a bison burger. I think someone has that. I believe it is red cow. So if you ever go to Red Cow, get that bison burger because it's very good. But in this indigenous uh, sous chef's indigenous kitchen um, cookbook, which I'm really enjoying, um, it gives a little story. Uh, they are, you know, they are always uh, Chef Sherman mentions that they were always present that bison was always present when he was growing up um, you know it's a symbol of the relationship uh, the bison is a symbol of or symbolic of the relationship that we have with the earth uh, to one another uh, there was a, a Native American poet and historian his name is uh, Joseph Marshall um, that said that the animal has to be kept alive for generations, providing us with food, clothing, medicine, tools. Um, and indigenous folks honor how uh, honor the bison by how they are preparing the meat or how they are basically respecting the animal uh, and how important it is uh, to the indigenous culture. Um the meat itself, they, he mentions that some older people say that bison reminds them of the beef that they ate when they were younger. It's a lot leaner. Um, it's lighter, but still richer in flavor or taste. Um, and it's not, uh, it's delicious, uh, but can still be overcooked very easily. Um, low and slow. <laughs> low and slow is what uh, they suggest. But you know, still high and fast could actually um, work just as well. So you have to find a specific balance or uh, a, med a happy medium so that the, the bison doesn't get over again overcooked. Um, it is a meat that is high in protein, low in fat, uh, and uh, low in cholesterol as well. Um, it's grass fed. They're grass fed, grass fed bison. So. Even with you know a land animal such as this, um, it still has uh, or possesses a good source of uh, omega three um, fatty acids, which is good for the body or um, you know for your uh, the human system. Um, uh, if you don't have bison in the area which I think it can be, a, uh, I won't say a commodity, uh, maybe a specialty, maybe at your butcher. If you don't have it available, you could always use grass-fed um, beef you know, to substitute for any recipes or whatnot. 
I, I again I, I skipped about 15 or 20 maybe 30 pages or 40 uh, literally this book it actually goes from through all the different I mean chicken or I'll say small game fowl such as quail um, duck to larger animals uh, rabbits and so forth Um, but it covers a a wide range of stuff too because even I'm looking uh, at uh, native herbs and seasonings Uh, and just describing some of the different herbs that uh, are uh, are available or are around um, that you could forage for if you would this one I thought was really interesting, which is the staghorn sumac. Um, it's northern sumac grows along ditches and on the borders of forests. Its deep red berries have a citrusy tang. Um, interestingly enough, uh, you know it grows in upper Midwest and northeast um, uh, I suppose. There is, well, there's not is, I suppose there is a difference. Um, months ago, I remember going into uh, an, a restaurant, um, uh, the Caspian actually, there was a Middle Eastern, I want to say maybe store where you could buy uh, herbs uh, as well as uh, like olive oil and sumac just happened to be one of the items that caught my attention as I was going through the entire um, store itself and the shop owner uh, made it a point to uh, mention to me that Sumac, of course, can be found here in Minnesota. However, it's it's poisonous. So, sumac berries that I mean that you find here, uh, they're white. Uh, all the others are red, or they have a ruddy um, color to them. So, if you ever someone ever tells you, hey, you know, there's some, I have some sumac in the back of my yard or in the field over there or whatever make sure you're checking the color of the berries because poisonous sumac um, berries are white and he brings that out more in uh, the book too but it just caught my attention because of the fact that you know folks are saying you know he let me know that sumac does grow here um, that's why they really kind of just concentrated on having it um, imported rather than relying on any sumac that's here so, but it's a great, uh, it's a great book. Uh, again, I've got a lot of cookbooks that I've got to go through. I'm still, there's the Moroccan one. There's one from Jacques Pepin. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited for them, but you know, you, you can't be a master and I'm not trying to be a master, but you can't master everything all in what three or four months, but 
it's good reading material and again i hope that i will have an opportunity to learn more um, about the cuisine uh, because uh, it's you know we're talking about plant-based lifestyles and so forth and at times and the sous chef's indigenous kitchen really does have uh, information on there uh, regarding more living a plant-based lifestyle. So, keep in mind, folks, that uh, you know this is a show that's uh, open to conversation. Next week, I'm gonna, I'm excited to talk about a subject that I. I this past week, I had an opportunity to go to KFAI, um, which is a, kind of a sister low-power radio station, um, and uh, was sharing in a conversation with uh, Chef Tunde Wei. Uh, he's a Nigerian chef, uh, and Mr. Al McFarlane, uh, run, who is the host of uh, creator and host of Conversations with Al McFarlane invited me to just kind of share a point or two uh, as an individual that is talking about food, having conversations about food, uh, and how it affects people of color. Um, and as I've always said, that food brings people together. Um, I I just learned that it's not something that. Uh, was oh yeah the unbougie food he has said this or uh, I guess it's just something that is uh, is a standard mindset uh, it's comfort you know people feel comfortable when they have uh, food really good food um, and so conversations that might be difficult to have or uh, being able to talk out maybe a specific issue or problem or whatever um food helps to facilitate that and uh, I had a number of great questions that I was going to ask him but I'm going to save that for next week because I really want to delve into that so keep in mind that the conversation is going to be it's going to be a serious one uh, it will still be trust me it will still be lighthearted, uh, but it will be on the topic of culinary cultural appropriation and what that actually means uh, in our society uh, specifically in the culinary world if you would um, but just even as foodies or food bloggers people that talk about or write about foods uh, or individuals that have shows um, you know it's really interesting how uh, certain points you know, my, in my research, I was finding out that certain things that uh, either we say or how we write them, um, we can ourselves be, if you would, guilty of culinary cultural appropriation. And I, I really want to open that uh, conversation up for you. So think about questions that you might have or maybe comments that um, you feel towards that. 
and if you're wondering, well, how does that, what does this really mean? Uh, culinary cultural appropriation. Um, I, I'm, let's just say, you know, we'll give you culinary cultural appropriation, the modifying of recipes without respect of someone else's culture, and then introducing a cuisine as if it's your own. So take that and, you know, think about what that really means uh, and how, you know, as food bloggers, as again, as I mentioned already, food bloggers and uh, reviewers and so forth, um, how we might be guilty of that um, as well. Uh, it really caused me to take a, a step back um because I am now um, gratefully, gratefully, uh, and I feel very honored and privileged uh, to have an opportunity to write for the a community newspaper here in uh, the Dayton's Buff and uh, area that you might would find in the Dayton's Buff area, Insight News. Um, so please look for that art, uh, those upcoming articles. But um, I'm very honored to be um, a contributor, but in writing or reviewing and talking about these different foods and cultures, uh, specifically the cuisines, I should say, more than the actual cultures, but the different uh, cuisines, uh, because we have such diverse uh, number uh, diversity within our community of the different um, cultures uh, can I be guilty of that uh, is that even possible uh, and believe it or not the answer is yes so uh, again I, I'm touching on this just to kind of like entice you and tease you to call in and share what your thoughts are uh, next week um, I'm mentioning this quite early so that you can uh, get a feel for you know what does you know culinary cultural appropriation really mean how do i understand it how would that apply um to restaurants chefs uh, again even food bloggers uh, or uh, individuals that are food influencers that we see um you know on twitter or on uh, instagram what really are is the effects or what's behind that? Uh, another interesting point with that, along those same lines, when we refer to ethnic cuisines, using the word ethnic, uh, what are we actually meaning by that? Uh, I've learned recently that some might take offense to that and again like i said this week has been really eye-opening this past week has been really eye-opening because um there are, you know are oftentimes there are words such as uh, ethnic that may be used in um speech in writings um but in what context is it really meant and even though we're not trying to think negatively uh, on that, if you are trying to reach uh, a more positive listening audience, um, 
what words are we being careful not to use so that we don't give people the impression that we feel that their cuisine is inferior to maybe American standard cuisine? Uh, Do we complain sometimes about a certain cuisine might smell too much? Uh, I mean, we live in apartment complexes or we live next door to someone or whatnot. Um, How are we feeling towards, you know, that type of cuisine or the family that's making it? I'm so just keep in mind again, next week's conversation, uh, 10 o'clock. Please make sure that you're here and that you're listening because I would really love uh, the opportunity to share with you all um, the conversation. Again, the topic is going to be culinary cultural appropriation and really what that means for us. Uh, And not just even for those that are bringing you suggestions about foods, but what about yourself? Do you feel that uh, you might be guilty of that? (laughs) So definitely ask yourself that question and make sure you join the conversation. Make sure you join the conversation. It's coming down to the holiday season and probably thinking, okay, well, what am I going to make for the holidays? Yeah, there's so many different things that you could choose from. I, I you know, I uh, won't say that I just drew a blank, but I, I was getting to, you know, do you really want to feel that you have to cook? <laughs> you could always get your group on. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to talk about that very briefly. We're going to have one. Uh, it might be a little bit you know, let's just say that you wanted to go out, want to take your family out. Well, for get your Groupon, it will here is one for Aqua res, uh, Restaurant and and Bar. Uh, dinner for two or four at Aqua Restaurant and Bar. That's in White Bear Lake, uh, uh, St. Paul also. But here you have uh, a choice, two choices. So there could be dinner for two, and that's Sunday through Thursday. That's at uh, $59.99. Regularly, that's $100. So you're paying $59.99 for $100 worth of wonderful cuisine and food. Or you can purchase dinner for four, uh, which is Sunday through Thursday at $119. Uh, you know, which is a savings of 40% in both of those instances. Uh, they offer a number of different uh, courses that are available. Um, and here's just an example for dinner for two. Uh, you get the first course will be veal, pork, uh, and uh, beef Sicilian meatballs uh, with tomato demi glaze. Uh, the second course would be a classic Caesar salad with uh, garlic bacon or garlic baked uh, croutons I'm not saying croissants Um, roasted hen of the woods mushroom soup 
apple uh, manchego cheese uh, and chive salad um, I, I could go on but visit Groupon to find out more about that and they are also the dinner for four very similar uh, menu options that are available but if you're interested in finding out where they are located first uh, 44 uh, 53 Lake Avenue uh, South that's in St. Paul uh, 55110 uh, and visiting oh wow uh, definitely make sure that you you to find out more information uh, I would encourage you to uh, go to their web website to learn more that will be uh, aqua-restaurants.com um, specifically uh, White Bear Lake um, is for the location um, but yeah why not take your family out to dinner <laughs> we started that question I was like what should I make <laughs> you don't have to make anything you can have dinner <laughs> and at a really inexpensive price as well so I mean look you're saving quite a bit you don't have to do the dishes or anything <laughs> so make sure you get out there and get your Groupon I know I feel a little subdued right now I'm I'm hoping I'm not coming down with with a cold. I can't come down with a cold. I can't. So vitamin C, here I come. Uh, oh, my gosh. So uh, we are n- actually near the top of the hour. Uh, so, man, I really want to thank you very much uh, for tuning in. Uh, it's been a pleasure. As always, uh, I enjoy talking about food and different subjects. Uh, even if it is just a recipe or two, <laughs> um, that cookbook, uh, Sue Chef's Indigenous Ch- Kitchen. Uh, I look forward to a good read on that. Uh, remember, as I mentioned, there is going to be a book signing at Mill City Museum at 2.30 and at 2 p.m. So if you're interested, um, you can get a chance to meet Chef Sherman and maybe Beth Dooley uh, and get a book signed. Why not? It's possible I'm going to go out there and get my book signed thank you all so much for tuning in to the unbougie foodie Uh, once again keep in mind that i am here every saturday at 10 a.m right here on weqy 104.7 the voice of the east side Uh, if you once again would like to follow me please do so on facebook that is the unbougie foodie Uh, instagram is the underscore unbougie foodie uh, Twitter at unbougie foodie and then lastly if you have a comment question uh, suggestion something that you would like to share please leave me a, uh, an email message at the unbougie foodie at gmail.com and I will definitely respond to you and even if you'd like uh, we could have a conversation and share your suggestions or question if you would um, on air so thank you again for tuning in Uh, Listen for us next week right here on 104.7 FM uh, WEQY St. Paul. As I end the show, as always, I want to encourage you never to let anyone tell you what type of food you'd be because really it is all about the food. Until next time, folks. Peace. Peace.